Welcome to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. In this program, Marty discusses waterfowl and upland bird hunting, as well as the clay target shooting sports, with some of the top industry leaders and shooting pros from around the world. If you're just starting out or you've been hunting and shooting for years, we'll have wing and clay target news and information that you can use. Now, here is your host, Marty Fisher. And welcome, welcome, welcome to another great episode of Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. I'm Marty, and boy, time flies when you're having fun, only this week I haven't had a lot of fun. I was actually um, uh, up in South Carolina last week uh, doing some shooting instruction. I, um, I'm kind of a traveling coach that scoots around the country a little bit, and uh uh, I was up uh, off of uh, Kiowa Island, which is a, a beautiful area. Well, on the way home, you know, I'm tooling along, got uh, got the cruise control on in the truck. I'm riding along on 995, and the next thing I know, it's like I shove my um, my gear shift up into neutral, and uh, come to find out, I um, lost the transmission. Well. <clears throat> For those of you who have experienced that, you know it's not a lot of fun. So uh, about $2,500 later, uh, we're back driving the truck. So life is sometimes frustrating. And, and I'm going to tell you something else. It's been pretty darn frustrating. And I want to report something that that really, really kind of bugs me. You know, I talked uh, in our last show about, you know, some of the great events that were going on around the country and and uh, the uh up at um, M&M up in New Jersey, the um, Beretta Cup and the uh, the big seafood blast that they have every year. Uh, we had an incident up there that um, was pretty pretty disturbing, to be honest with you. And um, Pacific Sporting Arms East, uh, you know, had a big trailer there and a, a big display. And this is a company that has really lots of very, very, very expensive high-grade shotguns that, uh, that that people buy for for clay target shooting primarily. And sometime on the 13th or 14th, um, their their trailer was broken into, and 16 of those guns were taken. Uh, I can't uh, really tell you what the value is, but when you're talking about Blossers and Kriegoffs and Parachis and things like that, uh, and and all high-grade stuff, you're talking. You're talking you know, probably over two hundred thousand dollars worth of guns, and um, you know hopefully they're gonna they're gonna find something on that here soon. Um, if if you happen to hear anything or you see something suspicious or hear something suspicious along those lines, uh, just get in touch with um, Pacific Sporting Arms. Uh, the easiest way without going through a bunch of numbers. Uh, PacificSportingArms.com. They'll give you some guidance there, but uh, <clears throat> that's really, really, really a shame. And you know, it it, it kind of brings me brings me back back around. Uh, uh, the, you know, the the first segment of our show this week's brought to, brought to you by my good friends at Crushable Vault. Now, you know, we don't typically ride around with sixteen shotguns in our truck, but you know, it's it's not uncommon for us to have um, one or two or even three. So, my buddies at the Crushable Vault, you know what a great product it is. I, uh, you know, that's what I use. I mean, you can you can put three of your guns in there, zip it up. It, you know, product looks just like a piece of luggage. You throw it in the back. The only difference is they've got some some micro 
uh, wire cables that are really tightly wound. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have a jaws of life, you're not getting into that thing. And you can secure your guns, you know, in the case, in the truck, in the back of your car, and, uh, and, and your freedom is totally secured. You don't have to worry about anything. Do me a favor. Run over to um, crushablevault.com. When you're out surfing around on the net, go check these guys out. Uh, you know, my personal favorite is, um, you know, is the, um, the new field vault that they've got out. And I can promise you it is uh, well, well worth the money. Uh, if you like what you see, type in marty at the promo code box at checkout and you'll get an instant 10 percent off of your order but the crushable vault.com go check those guys out okay <clears throat> what is going on other than that bad news boy i hate to start a show with two pieces of bad news but you know what can i tell you that's that's how it is um got some shoots coming up you know some really um, some really good things um the Kriegoff Masters, White Flyer Masters skeet shoot is at Forest City Gun Club in Savannah, um, May 2nd through the 5th. Lots of skeet shoots getting ready to happen now. MyNSSA.com. Go there and you'll get a long list of what's coming up. Uh, sporting clays, you know, the biggest thing coming up in sporting is going to be the Texas uh, Sporting Clays Championship. And more that that will be uh, huge. Oh, there'll be a there'll be a lot of shooters at that event, uh, and that runs April 24th to 28th. That's going to be out in San Antonio at the National Gun Club. Uh, the trap is really going to crank up really more in May and, and into June. It'll get really crazy all around the country. Uh, a lot of the big time trap shooting is is up in the Midwest, up a little bit uh, in the northern states. So you know they want that weather to get a little bit better, so those guys can can go out in full force. But you can check out their schedule, shootata.com, um, and you'll find a lot of information there. Now, a lot of kids programs going on. You know, I've reported in over the past few weeks about 4-H club, SCTP, things like that. Uh, I am proud to announce my gun club. We have a youth program at my gun club, Forest City Gun Club in Savannah. They had the um, Southeast Regional SCTP last week, and I'm proud to say that Forest City Gun Club's youth team uh, emerged as the champion. Uh, five of the top six SCTP, SCTP, well, that's a, a mouthful, SCTP teams from around the country were actually at that event. And Far City came out on top, including uh, about 30 of the top uh, competitors individually uh, were also there. And, um, you know, our guys cleaned up. But we'll, we'll talk about some big uh, SCTP and, and uh, 4-H events coming up here on, uh, on future shows. Don't forget the NRA conventions coming up April 26th to 28th. That's in Indianapolis. And uh, Ducks Unlimited is having their national convention at uh, Waikoloa in Hawaii, May 28th to June the 2nd. Now, all that having been said and done, I want to introduce my guest. You know, I've got a, um, I've got a great friend on the line with me, uh, Scott Robertson. And for those of you who are shooters, you pretty much know who Scott Robertson is. For those of you who are not, uh, you know, Scott grew up in a in a family of shooting, and he and I'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, this guy is, is one of the most decorated shooters in this country. He was, I mean, he was a national collegiate champion. Um, he's won eight 
national championships in, in sporting clays. He's been a 34-time All-American. Uh, he's done a bunch of TV. I did some TV with him, uh, you know, different different things. Um, and, you know, he's been inducted into the Texas Sporting Clays Hall of Fame and the National Sporting Clays Hall of Fame. All of that having been said, I want to welcome to the show my good buddy, Scott Robertson. Scott, are you on the line? I'm here, Marty. Okay, buddy. You know, that was, and, uh, uh, and, uh, hey, can you hear me okay? I, I got you just fine. You know, that uh, that little introduction I just did doesn't even remotely cover all of the things that, that Scott Robertson's into and, and all of that. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that stuff. And we've got a few minutes to go before we before we have to take our first break and really get into t- to the teeth of things. But uh, I'll tell you what, let me let me give you the microphone here for a moment. Scott, tell us, just give us a little background on Scott and, and how you got into shooting and, uh, and a little bit about your family and things like that, if you would. Well, first of all, Marty, congratulations on your uh, your new radio show. I think this is an awesome platform, and um, it's good for me because I get tired of seeing your name and all your fake pin names and all the ads you run every month. So this is a good change from the normal. But uh, and also, in full disclosure, you and I have been good friends for a long time. So if I make fun of you over the next uh, few minutes, everybody just kind of bear with me because. Uh, uh, you and I do have a uh, quite a history together. But, yes, we um, do, and don't forget turnabout's fair play. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, that's that's right. We've you know, I mean, you knew me when I was I was pedaling a bicycle and didn't even have a driver's license. So um, yes, I you did. Know, that, that that dates us a little bit. Um, but uh, you know, I'm honored to be on the show, and and thanks for reaching out. Uh, uh, anything I can do to help? I mean, you know that by heart's been in shooting for years and, and anything I can do to help promote the sport is, is what we're about. Um, you, you, you brought up a little bit about the, the family tradition. Uh, my dad and grandfather uh, raised me to be a trap shooter. Um, when I was born, my dad said, we got a trap shooter and, and I didn't even tell everybody if it was a boy or a girl, I guess at that point it really didn't matter. But my, my grandfather was one of the only people in California to win the state championship as a sub-junior, a junior, an open, a vet, and a super vet. So his wow. his competitive career spanned uh, almost 75 years. Uh, so, uh, you know, I came from a, a line of uh, trap shooters. Uh, I was raised in a, in a duck blind underneath uh, my dad and grandfather's legs. And, uh, you know, that was, that was pretty much, you know, what I was, uh, was bred to be. Uh, my dad was... Uh, International trap champion, shot on the uh, Air Force team, uh, you know, won the sports festival in several different competitions in the Grand Prix of Europe and, uh, you know, was a bunker shooter. And when I was a kid, he, he wanted me to be a trap shooter, but he made me start in skeet. Um, and a lot of people, you know, question that. But when I was eight years old, he started me in skeet because he wanted me to be a shotgun pointer, not necessarily a trap or a skeet shooter. Um, and I really didn't understand that whole theory until, you know, sporting clays came along. But, um, in, in my younger years, what I had to do was, uh, he was also a professional instructor. And so I would go every Wednesday and Thursday and watch him teach out at triple uh, B in El Monte. We, I grew up in Southern California and, uh, I'd watch him for hours. And the, the, the caveat was in between lessons, I would just hope that somebody would be late or he'd finish early because he would allow me to shoot in the five or 10 minutes, you know, between, between, uh, clients. And that was really my time. And, 
that's how I that's how I got hooked. That's how I got started, and uh, that's really how I got started shooting sporting clays. Believe it or not, because my dad loved to mess around. So you know, we would shoot skeet from way back behind Station Four, or you know, different angles, and so that's kind of how it came, you know, to be when when sporting clays came around in 1984. And, you know, and you know, Scott, I mean, that, and, and I, honestly, a lot of us have, have done that. And I, you know, I hate it, but I'm up on a break. So I've got to take one real quick. And we're going to pick this up when we come back. So sit tight, folks. I'll be back with Scott Robertson. And believe me, we've got some great stories to tell coming up right after these messages. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. And welcome back, and I am still here with my good friend Scott Robertson, and hey folks, by all means, if you are into the social media thing, uh, we want you to be a part of what we're doing at Wing and Clay Nation. Um, you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wing and Clay Radio, on Twitter at twitter.com slash Wing Clay Nation, and on Instagram, instagram.com slash Wing and Clay Radio. So let's get back to Scott. You know, Scott, you were, you were talking. I mean, 
I, I'm, my mouth was wide open when you start talking about your uh, your grandfather and your father and you being a little guy and and uh, and, and you know having an opportunity to you know to, to pick off you know five or ten minutes at a time to, to shoot so you know, pick that up a little bit and 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 tell me tell me how your shooting career actually got going and started so you know obviously my grandfather and my father were were trap champions and that was the end goal was to be a trap champion like them and so I had indicated before I started when I was about eight years old and I remember the very first time I went and shot trap I was probably eight years old and the reason I was we had to wait till I was eight was because I was very small um, in fact when I was a, a freshman in high school I wrestled in the 90 pound category okay so that's something that you'll that will be relevant later in this story because a lot of guys ask me now hey when should I start my kid and it's really about the size more than anything because fatigue is a huge problem with youngsters and making sure that you know the gun fits and there's certain aspects but the size really is a, is a major factor and for me it was and so started shooting skeet about eight years old and i remember the first time i shot trap i shot one out of 50 and you gotta understand wow. <laughs> for a kid coming from a championship you know uh background and pedigree i'm supposed to know how to do this well i shoot one out of 50 and i and and the way that I hit the one target, I'll never forget it. I held my gun right over the center of the trap, called pull, and pulled the trigger. And somehow it ran into it. But I certainly wasn't aiming at it. Well, it was at that point that my dad said, man, there is something wrong with this kid. And that's when we discovered that my left eye was severely dominant. And so it doesn't matter what I did. When I shot at a bird, I shot four foot left every time. There was no fixing that. Um, and so... Uh, how we actually figured that out is what the time when I was eight, nine years old, we put a piece of tape on my eye and I went, you know, to shooting. And so, you know, we actually still do that. But later when I was about uh, 10 or 12 years old, the whole goal was my dad would not let me shoot trap until I could consistently break 18 in skeet because he felt like if I could shoot an 18 average in skeet, then I was starting to learn about leads and follow through and keeping your head down and all those fundamentals that I didn't understand at the time as a young kid, all I wanted to do is shoot, and the fundamentals didn't make sense to me. Um, I remember when uh, I got a little bit older, 10, 11, 12 years old, when I was old enough to actually go shoot by myself some, I would still go watch my dad teach, and then what he would do is he would allow me to go down and actually shoot. And back in, back in those days, Triple B had, I think, 13 or 15 ski fields, so... You know, he would always uh, teach on skeet field number 13. And so I could go down and, you know, skeet field 9 or 10, he could actually look down and see me. And I remember he used to tell me two things that, that always uh, have stuck, uh, you know, in my mind to this day. He said, number one, if I look down this line, fundamentally, you better be perfect whether you hit it or not. And the second thing was, if I can tell from your body, meaning your, you know, your, your, your body language that you missed a target, you're done for the day. Mm -hmm. And that happened one time where, wow. you know, you, you know, when your mom and dad are walking your way and you're like, uh Oh, I'm in big trouble. So here he comes walking down the field and he didn't even make it to the ski field. And he pointed at me and gave me the finger, like, come here. And I'm in the middle of a round, right? I, I missed a target on like high two or something. And I get to about four and here he comes and he said, that's it. You missed high two. You're done. Go put your, you know, go put your gun away. <laughs> and I went, oh boy. 
And that was interesting because at the time, you know, I was crushed. But the, those lessons that he taught me back in those days, I didn't understand what they were for. And they have served me in my career, especially late in my career when I didn't have the time to train and practice. You know, a lot of guys say, well, Scott, how come, you know, you could not shoot at all and still be top five were, you know, at a lot of shoots? And the reason is because my dad beat the fundamentals. That is the most important thing. And so yeah. fundamentally, I understood the game um, and could draw back on that when you don't have, sometimes your mental game is not where it needs to be. Sometimes you're not seeing the birds right. Sometimes you're, you know, your attitude's not and your confidence isn't there. But if you can fall back on those fundamentals, you can get there. Uh, you know, yeah, and, and, and you know, Scott. I mean, I, and both both of us are, are instructors, and and and, and, the, and the one thing that that both of us know that we have to do is put the absolute solid basics into our students. I mean, if they don't, if you don't have anything to fall back on, you're guessing, that's and right. and that's that's, that's right. not it's not going to work. So so oh. about twelve years old, I finally got good enough at skeet and big enough that I could I could handle. Uh, the endurance of shooting 100, 200 targets in a day, and I transitioned to trap shooting. And I shot trap uh, for about five or six years. Um, I was an All-American trap shooter in uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, as a junior and a sub-junior. Um, and then my my dad uh, got leukemia. So I was 15 when he, when he actually passed away uh, with leukemia. And uh, then after that, my grandfather kind of, uh, you know, took me with him everywhere we went. And, uh, you know, my grandfather was actually, uh, back in the day, my grandfather was the uh, captain of the guns for the uh, field trials, the national field trials. Uh, you know, he was he was probably the best wing shot that I have ever seen to this day. He he used to tell stories where the where the referees in the field trials would say, you know, Gene, we need you to, to, to wound this one in, on the left side. And he could you know, hit the wing and sail that thing and that thing would run and, and really challenge those dogs. And he was, that guy could shoot ducks like you couldn't believe. I mean, he was amazing. And that's pretty and, cool. Uh, you know, and I've been, I've been a gun for some big time field trials before. And that's a lot of fun because, you know, the one thing that they tell you, that, hey guys, you got to drop them in the same place. I mean, you know, that's a, that's a big, a big part of that because they want the dog to, to get, you know, basically get the same bird, just like, you know, just like in clays, when we set clays, we want, you know, the shooters to, to get the same birds as, as best we can. Right, right. And uh, so, you know, when I was 14, 15 years old, I was heavy into trap. But in Southern California, we used to shoot at a place called Cota de Casa. And Cota de Casa had, every month, they used to have a fun shoot. And you'd go to this fun shoot, and they would have a duck tower, a crazy quail, and a driven grouse. So... It, it, it was the beginning of sporting clays, but what they used to do is just each game was a game in of itself. So you would shoot the duck tower, which would simulate, you know, a driven shot or a long high crossing shot, uh, and they called it the duck tower. And a crazy quail, and it would move, you know, several degrees out in front, and then the uh, driven grouse would be a true driven shot. So they, you had these different games, and back in the early 80s, you know, we didn't know anything different. We, we just called them what they were is they were the duck tower and the, and the fun uh, games. And so I shot those as a kid and loved it. And my dad was really, really good at it. I mean, almost every month he would win these and they were the precursor for sporting clays. 
Uh-huh. So in 1984, um, I remember 1984, Dan Carlisle had the first sporting clay shoot at Rahagis that I can remember. And I went as a, as a sub-junior, and uh, I won the sub-junior event, and I'll never forget, I won a Beretta 302. Wow. <laughs> now, that will become relevant later in this story, uh-huh. because that's actually the gun I started to shoot when I turned pro with Beretta. So... Uh, Carlisle had a series of these fun shoots, and in 1986, Dan had the first uh, Team USA qualifier. So the deal was, you go to the shoot, and the top five guys will be the U.S. team in 1986 to go to the first shoot that that America will attend in England. So it was it was our first attempt at the World English, and as you know, the World English is coming up. In Northbrook in August, uh-huh. but in 1986, this was how we did the qualification. Well, my dad won the shoot, so he was the captain of the 1986 team. And unfortunately, um, he passed away uh, in in uh, in June and didn't get to go. And um, I think Tom Strunk ended up going in his place, and I don't recall how they did. But that was our first, uh, the first time in 1986 when we actually sent a U.S. team. To the world English. So that was kind of the start of it all. Um, and I shot in a shoot, and that is really where my love of sporting kind of changed from trap. And, you know, I had ties, and I loved it because my family loved it, but there was something about sporting clays that was just captivating. And that's really where it started. Um, and so I, I continued to shoot some trap a little bit, and then after my dad passed away when I was 15 in 1987, my mom decided that she wanted to move to Texas. She said, look, we've been in California a while. I grew up in San Antonio. Now, another funny part of this story is my dad was, as I had indicated, was on the um, U.S. Air Force bunker team. My mother actually learned how to shoot from Jack Johnson. So Jack and Valerie Johnson, as you know, Jack Johnson and Valerie are both in the NSCA Hall of Fame. Jack was instrumental in, in helping... Uh, that facility get bought. He was a coach. He was in the Air Force. Uh, and so my uh, mom actually learned how to shoot from Jack Johnson. My grandfather on my mother's side was the uh, gunsmith for both the Army team and the Air Force team. So that's actually how my mom and dad met was through the shooting connection, my dad being a shooter. My mom was kind of a military brat, if you will. Her dad obviously was the and there you go, uh, wow. in, in San Antonio in the 1960s. <clears throat> I, I'm going to tell uh, you, that family is something else. Hey, Scott, we've got to take another break here real quick. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit. We're going we're gonna to try to, we're going we're gonna to bring things a little bit current, you know, kind of see, uh, you know, see where, where you are today, a little bit about um, uh, some of your sporting clays past, <clears throat> you know, a little more current. Then we're going to get into talking about, Uh, your gun club, your hunting ranch, you know, different things like that. Folks, stay tuned. We've got a lot more with Scott Robertson coming up right after these messages. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside the minds of the players and coaches? We talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college sports. We'll review and preview this week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email, wingandclayradio at gmail.com. That's wingandclayradio at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to this week's show. Well, and welcome back. And boy, it's, um, it, it's, it's great to be back. And man, I've got Scott Robertson with me today, and what great stories this guy has. I mean, I, I could sit down for hours and listen to that because, you know, there, there's, there's such great history there. And, uh, and, and talking about how his family, and, I, and boy, I mean, everybody, and I know his mom's a good shot because I've seen her in action. But, you know, it, uh, before I get back to Scott, you know, i got to think about something. I mean, you know, how many shots do you think that guy's heard fired? I mean, you know, we talk about hearing all the time, and, and I want to make sure that you know that, that this portion of the show is brought to you by my good friends at ESP, Electronic Shooters Protection. And, you know, I've been using that product for more than two decades, and uh, it has really saved my hearing. I can tell you that anything over 90 decibels, it just kind of pretty much just blocks it down where you don't hear that gunshot. But you can have normal conversation, and uh, you can even turn those things up where you can hear you can hear turkeys gobble. You can hear all sorts of things if you need to. But check them out, ESPAmerica.com, and see about getting you some custom hearing protection today. You'll, you'll thank me for it. I promise you that. Now, back to you, Scott. Let's talk about this for a second, buddy. You, um, Your family, I mean, obviously, my gosh, uh, so much history there. But, you know, you stepped out of the trap world, you know, you got into the sporting world, and, you know, I mean, your resume's a who's who, but, you know, you've even not only won a lot of events, traveled all over the world, I think you've been on 17 national teams or something like that. Um, I will ask you this, what's the coolest place you ever went to to shoot? Hmm, boy, that's a tough one. Um, you know, there's there's so many different places. Um 
I would say the very first world championship that I attended was 1991 in Andorra, mm-hmm. which is a little country between Spain and France. And uh, uh, John Woolley set the course. And that was the very first time that anybody from America had seen a Shondell target. It was the first <laughs> time that any of us had seen a Batu or a rocket target. So imagine entering the world championship and seeing targets that we'd never seen in America before. It was an eye opener, but it was also, uh, an, you know, three, 4,000 foot drops. There was one parkour where if you missed the target, you could watch it for 90 seconds, settle down three, 4,000 feet into this valley. So it was, wow. that was, that was something special. That is really special. You know, I have, I, I had a chance to, um, to go shoot, uh, driven, Red leg, red leg partridge in the in the foothills of the Pyrenees uh, of Spain, just south of the Andorra border. So, you know, I know how beautiful that country is up there. And you're right. I mean, there's a lot of vertical and 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 you know, from a from a target setter standpoint, and and uh, and sadly from a lot of shooters standpoint, uh, uh, you know, anything vertical can give a give shooters a lot of trouble. Make no mistake about that. But you know, you you had such such a great career and, and you're still shooting but now you've you've taken it a step further you're you're actually in the the gun club management business and you know you you um, you have elm fork in dallas which is just a remarkable facility i go to elmfork.com and uh, and pull up that page and you got it going on there buddy well uh it's it's a tough deal you know as we say in the shooting industry, if you want to make a uh, uh, you know a small fortune, you got to start with a large one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this it's tough in the shooting industry anywhere these days, as you know. Um, you know, it's a labor of love, but we have been fortunate. I mean, we throw a little over five million targets a year. Um, you know, we we average about five hundred people on on a Saturday on our rifle pistol range, so. We're we're fortunate that we're in an area that uh, you know is surrounded by concrete, and it's not like a lot of places in America where you can go shoot. You know, you've got to seek out a range in order to shoot in a in a metropolitan area. So, you know, we are fortunate, but uh, it's it's a lot of work, and and uh, you know, it teaches me something new every day. But when you love what you do, uh, it it changes things. You know, I, I used to tell people I was a stockbroker for. Uh, Merrill Lynch and, and Payne Weber for about five years, and I used to look at my watch 20 times a day. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. geez, when is 5 o'clock getting here? But now I don't even wear a watch because you look up and go, how did it get to be 6 o'clock already? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, you know, it's, and, uh, as you know, you know, you do you do what you love, and we love the shooting and hunting industry, and so, you know, it, it you know, it's a lot of work, but we enjoy it, and and I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, and it is, it is a labor of love. You know, if if, if you remember, I was a general manager at uh, Cherokee Rose for uh, you know down south of Atlanta for a few years, and and the same thing. I mean, you know, it the days just absolutely fly by, but uh, you know, you're always busy, and you're always trying to find a way to make it better. And I, you know, I, I actually went to the Shotgun World dot com website and uh, on the sporting clays deal and and ask some of the uh, posters there and listeners of the show to, to to throw some questions at me and one of the questions uh, you know is, is pertinent for what we're talking about right now and it's you know as a range owner what does scott see as the characteristics of having a successful club i mean what 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 is it that you think that that 
makes what you do successful? Well, you know, the motto that I like to live by, Marty, is I like to run a club like I like to shoot at. And it's really that simple. So I try and run a shoot like I'd like to go to. I try and make it fun. I try and use the elements that I see when I'm traveling. I try and make people comfortable. I try and make them feel welcome. Obviously, there's a safety aspect to it, but really, I just try and do it like I would enjoy if I was the customer, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's really that simple. Uh, that's, that's really what we try and do is I, I strive for that. We recognize we're in the entertainment business, and that is our job, right? When you are setting targets for a national championship or I'm running a corporate event, we're entertainers. We, our job is to make sure that people leave here with a bigger smile than when they came. And, and that's really it. And, and, you know, some people forget that in our industry, uh, you know, some targets are too difficult or whatever. Hey, let's face it. If guys can't hit them, they don't want to pay for them. So Amen, brother. You know, there is a balance. Yes, that without question, and 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 you know, and 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 a lot of that balance, you know, in our, in our second part of this question, that uh, this this um, that smoke ball, you know, uh, sent to me, he says, well, what what can the registered target crowd do? to make themselves a little more welcome. You know, a lot of times you, and, and you see this, I mean, you, you know, you've got a, you've got a club and you've got your everyday guys and, and they come and, and they're not competitive shooters and all of a sudden they want to show up and, uh, you know, the place is, is slammed and, and, you know, they get mad. So, I mean, what do you, what, where do you, where do you see a balance with the, with the registered target guys and, and you're just everyday guy? Well, you're not going to like my answer. Um, because the answer is the registered shooters need to support the clubs more. Um, and the reality is, is I have, I'm going to say 80% of my registered shooters. Now I have a, at Elm Fork, we do a registered shoot January through October. So one every month. So I average eight to nine registered shoots. So pretty much one every month and 80% of those guys I see once a month. Mm -hmm. They don't come shoot during the week. They don't support your leagues. They don't buy ammo from you. You know, they they do their own thing. Most of these guys have machines on their own ranches or their own place, or they're looking for, you know, inexpensive options to practice. And so the problem is we say, well, gee, what about the registered shooters? Well, the problem is they're not the ones paying the bills, unfortunately, right? And so when an operator is looking at how am I going to pay the bills, I can't cater to that person because they're not supporting me. Well, you're absolutely right. And when, and when you say, I'm not going to, I love your answer because that's the exact answer that, <laughs> that I would give. And, and because I know, I, you know, been there, done that, seen that, experienced that. And, and um, uh, you know, and you're right. I mean, they're, they're registered guys. And, and look, let's face it. I mean, there's a shoot somewhere that they can get to every week. Okay, That's and right. it's not at your it's not at your club every week. We you know we, we understand that, but it, it um, uh, they need to understand that uh, you know the everyday guy, you know those little charity shoots and and the everyday guy and the little groups of of corporate shooters and things like that. That's what keeps the lights on and keeps the keeps the bills paid and you know and and keeps you not scratching all of your hair off every night. That's right. That's right. So they they really you know. That's the balance that we've got to find is is how to get the competitive guys back 
you know, you can't set your course up for day-to-day business for those guys. Uh, you know, so some of the things that I have done here is I have courses with three or four machines, which mm-hmm. allows me to have a difficulty level. So, for instance, I've got an A, B, C, and D machine on, on several stations. So if you shoot a CD combo, you know you're getting a much harder pair than the AB. So we've had to do other things. But again, Marty, it's back to the, the, the dollars and cents. You know, I've got, you know, twelve to $15,000 worth of equipment on every station. Uh-huh. If it wasn't for the volume, I could never afford to do it. And, and so you can't do that at a lot of clubs. I mean, it's hard to get people to drive 45 minutes to an hour. And look, that's what we're going to. Land is getting more expensive. People are selling their places because they look at it and go look at, you know, blackjack in Florida, right? Hey, sure. man, we got a bunch of money. We can never make that money. We're, we're out of here. And that's what's happening is we're losing the places to shoot. And if we don't protect the ones we have left, uh, our whole sport's going to evaporate. Well, yeah, and you're absolutely right. Well, well, tell me real quick. We've got a we've got a couple of minutes before we need to take another break, and then we're going to uh, really do some quick questions with you that some folks can send in. Uh, tell me a little bit about the ranch. You've got the side by side ranch up in Oklahoma, also. That's uh, that looks like a pretty cool place. Well, when uh, when Winnie and I were filming a Wild and Raw with Marcus at Trail, you know, I did the the mm-hmm. hunting show for three years on the Outdoor Channel. And Marcus and I were were going all over the world and and just had a ball, uh, you know, Winnie and I said, you know, we really need to do this. We need to build our own place someday. Well, I was on the way back from the Grand. I did a trick show um, at the Grand American for Beretta, and we were driving through the Arbuckles there in Oklahoma, just south of Oklahoma City, and, and she says, boy, this is, this is a pretty area. And I said, yeah, I want you you know, pull up. And so she Googled a piece of property, and the next couple days we went and looked at it and said, man, this is just about right. Let's do it. And so... I liquidated my stocks in, 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 the, uh, in the stock market and put it in real property, and we've been ranchers ever since. Man, I mean, I'm going to tell you something. We're, we're going to take the, the, the last break, and then when we come back, Scott, I'm going to tell me a little bit, just another couple of minutes about the show. Then we're going to get into some questions that, uh, uh, that I've got for you that will uh, really help, uh, you know, help some people. And, um, you know, so sit tight. We'll be right back. After these messages on Wing and Clay Nation. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. 
Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned into Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. If you have a question or comment about the show, we're here via email. WingandClayRadio at gmail.com That's WingandClayRadio at gmail.com now, let's get back to this week's show. And we're back for our last segment with Scott Robertson. And hey, by the way, don't forget, I've, to- I've said earlier in the show, by all means, come check us out on Facebook. I really want uh, I really want to build up that Facebook page. We've got a lot of stuff on there, facebook.com slash wing and clay radio. So uh, come like us and share, and uh, you'll see some really good things coming. But, Scott, we were talking about your side-by-side ranch up in Oklahoma, and I know you do uh, exotic game and whitetail and things like that, but you also do some, some clay target stuff there. Uh, give me a couple of you – know, another minute or so on the ranch, and uh, let's let folks know a little bit about what goes on there. Well, the ranch uh, started out as a family ranch, and – and as you know, it gets expensive, and you buy animals, and you keep doing it. You think, geez, I, I need to do a little bit more. But I always wanted a place that I could host big tournaments. And, you know, Marty, you were involved in the early days in 2002. Uh-huh. And, you know, we did the Texas State shoot here at Elm Fork in 04 and 08, and um, the Angleport Open and the uh-huh. Little Jet Open. And so I really wanted to do big shoots. But the problem is, as many of you know, that the, the major shoots have transitioned, and it outgrew me. And what I mean by that is at Elm Fork, I only had the room to do three, maybe four courses. Well, now these major blasts, I mean, Texas State shoot next week, for example, they're going to have, what, nine or ten different courses all going yeah, on. Yeah, every, same every time. bit of that. Yeah, same time. Yeah. And so it really outgrew me at Elm Fork. And so Wendy and I wanted to, you know, have a place that we still wanted to do it. I mean, I enjoy now putting the events on, setting the targets. You know, it's a, it's a different challenge and a different aspect but I'm still involved with the game I love. And so uh, we wanted a place to do this. And so that's really what side-by-side, um, you know, was about. We do night vision hunts and thermal imaging and hog and deer and elk and, and birds, and we do, we do it all. But it's also a, a major sporting clay venue. I have a full 12-station course there that's there all the time, a eight-trap five-stand, a skeet field, and rifle pistol range. And, and you know, it's kind of Disneyland for big kids, I like to call it. No, but, absolutely. Um, now, now to, to get in touch with, with, with the ranch, it's uh, www.side, it's not side by B-Y, it's side X, side ranch.com. Is that correct? That's right. Side X side. It is side by side, but, but it is spelled side right. X side ranch. Right. That's right. right. Okay. So, and then uh, Elm Fork we, is we were, elmfork.com. 
That's that's right. Okay. So, yeah, so at the ranch, you know, as you know, we we hosted the regional shoot in I think mm-hmm. 2016 and 18, and then the national fit task last year, as well as uh, uh, the PSCA Pro Tour event there as well. So we've we've been able to use the ranch to expand and and to continue to do some of the major shoots that 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 we love to do, um, you know, but but with a different venue. So. Now we've got the two places, and we try and do the big events there and, and the local stuff at Elm Fork, and, and, you know, we're having a ball. It's a lot of work, uh, but, you know, again, it's what we love, and, and, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Well, you know, and and it is a lot of fun to see people having fun. You know, I, I mean, for, when I was younger, I didn't know what that really meant. But I, just like you, when I, you know, when I set targets, you know, I, I want people to to have a good time and feel like they had a chance to to break everything. They may not, but you know, at least at least they didn't look at something that they tell you it was impossible and I know that you feel exactly the same way. So let me, let me, I got a couple of questions I want to ask you because uh, we've had listeners that have sent these in and uh, this is important stuff. Everybody wants, wants to know what you think about some of this stuff, Scott. Um, what technique do you shoot? What, what, what do you think you shoot? What, what, what technique? I know you're a lead. You, you like to see a lead. I know that. So what, what do you think you do? I- I do like to see a lead. How I shoot, how I describe it is I call it the system of the pros. And if you watch the top guys in our sport, they all do the same thing. They have different mm-hmm. techniques, but the system is the same. And the way that I try and explain it is a system of placement, which means the top guys place more in front of it if it's a crosser and closer to it if it's a going away or a quartering shot. So mm-hmm. they have learned to place the gun in front, and then finish off the lead. So, you know, if, if, a, if a target takes a four-foot lead, the top guys are coming up three foot in front of it, stroking out the four and taking the shot. That's why it doesn't look like they move the gun very much. Right. That's the economy of motion, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's accomplished with placement. So to answer your question on lead method, if you watch the top guys, they do them all, Yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. some targets, you need to swing through them. Some targets you need to uh, spot shoot or maintain lead. And then some you can mount and stroke it away, which would be like a modified pull away. So mm-hmm. you need all of them in your bag of tricks, but uh, it's really a system of placement more than a system of lead. The lead is a result of the placement, meaning if I right. place behind a target, all I am is a swing through shooter. If I can't yes. control the placement, I can't control the outcome. You know, and the big thing about that, and I tell people all the time, if you know, if if, if the target runs past the gun, you know, and you're, you're 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 it turns you into swinging through the bird to go get the lead. Well, you know, you really you you just missed your placement, and when you miss the placement, like you said, you know, then you've got to try to make it up, and you don't have time to do that, and it typically results in a miss. Exactly, exactly. So I try and explain to people that lead method is really a result of the placement. The placement mm-hmm. sets up what type of shooter you're going to be. And you're going to need to know them all, but you're going gravitate, to gravitate towards one of them. You know, right. kind of more of a maintain. If you look at the top guys, they all have kind of a modified, maintained, pull-away type of a hybrid. They're mounting up some, some distance in front and stroking out the rest. Now, all the top you know, you, you have been, you have shot a semi-automatic shotgun, I mean, almost the whole time I've known you, I, I think you kind of, you know, 
went into the over and under a little bit there for a while, but uh, for the most part, you're a semi guy. What, um, what, what, what's, what's the purpose for that? Well, um, the short answer is by accident. Um, now, I'll explain that just a little bit. I shot 26 years professionally for Beretta, and I shot an automatic as my primary gun the entire 26 years. And it was absolutely by accident. So in 1991, um, when I was a junior, Phil Murray was working for Beretta, and Sandy Woods was the main guy at Winchester. And they came to me at the college national championships and said, hey, we've got a spot open up, and we're going to give you a shot. And it was actually that shot where they allowed me to have the ammo and some funding to train and practice that made me really good. And it was that opportunity that made me into the top professional that I became later. And without that funding, I probably would have never made it. But how I say it was an accident was when Phil hired me, Beretta didn't have a gun for me right then because they hired me mid-year. So all I had was, if you remember the story back, I told you I sure, won that yep, Beretta the 302. Back at Carlisle's first shoot in 1984, so I pulled that bad boy out, and I went to the DU shoot in San Antonio and shot a 98 out of 100 and won the DU sporting clay shoot with that automatic. And I went, man, now you got to understand, I was shooting for Gamba at the time when, I, when I, I left Gamba to go with Beretta, so I was shooting it over and under early on and was very familiar with everything about the over and under, but I shot that auto because that's all I had, and I thought, that was the easiest 98 I've ever shot in my entire life. Mm-hmm. That had to be an accident. So I took it the next week into a shoot and shot a 95 and won that shoot. And I went, what is going on here? Why is this working? I'm not supposed to shoot this gun. Well, I've got an over and under coming. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. And I started understanding that the way the gun moved and having one barrel out in front of your face and the longer sight plane and the pointability and the recoil you know, a lot of guys say recoil doesn't bother me. Sure it but does. But believe me, after two or 300 rounds, it does whether you think it does or not. Absolutely. You get fatigued more than the next guy. And, and, and so it does affect you, even if you don't think it does. Sure, and it does. That's how well, it hey, started. Scott, we're, and, we're and, about to run out of time, buddy. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on, but um, <clears throat> the only real dead end I've got is the end of this show. Now, folks, this has been a great show. Scott, I can't thank you enough Elmfork.com, Side by Side Ranch, SideXSideRanch.com. Check out those two play, two different sites. Scotty, thank you so much, buddy. We've got to get out of here. Um, folks, Marty, best of luck with your show, buddy. Uh, I'm, I'm proud to see you doing things, and you're doing great things for the, for the gun guys. And, uh, man, uh, my best to you and your family. All right. We appreciate it, buddy. Folks, we'll see you next time. Be safe. Have fun. Thank you for listening to Marty Fisher's Wing and Clay Nation. Please join Marty again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week's show, think safety first and good shooting.